My guest on the most recent episode of the podcast is Big West Commissioner Dan Butterly. Dan discusses his role as a servant leader and takes us behind the scenes of the Big West Wing. Welcome back to the podcast. Very special guest today, uh, Dan Butterly, the commissioner. The commish. You look a little bit like Michael Chiklis, although you're very lean, so it's a little different. But um, <laughs> thank you for taking a couple minutes. I know you've got a busy schedule. I appreciate you uh, sitting down with us. No, absolutely. It's great to be here. I mean, great to be honored to be asked and looking forward to the conversation. I'm going to jump in uh, on a topic that you and I both have an affection for, which is college basketball. I know you are a student manager for Bob Bender at Illinois State. I stumbled in to the college radio station wanting to be David Letterman, and they said, whoa, 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 funny boy. Nobody knows who you are, but can you do this women's basketball game? And I, I went, and I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was hooked. So you've said that you feel the advancement of this conference comes through the sport of basketball. The venue of the Big West Tournament starting in March of 2022 is going to be Dollar Loan Center in Henderson, Nevada. It'll take us back to Vegas. Let's step back for a moment, Dan. Can you take me through to the decision this year? Normally, you know, we've been at Honda Center since 2011. Right. This year, there were some extenuating circumstances which forced the tournament to Vegas. Take me through that first. Yeah, we're fortunate that we have great partners at the Honda Center uh, here in Anaheim. I mean, they, they were great to work with. Uh, one of the first meetings I had when I came on board, uh, the Big West was with the Honda Center staff, and, and we were continue to have conversations as COVID continued to uh, add on and things continue to be concerning uh, in California. And I called them in late October, November, uh, asked them, I said, guys, what are you thinking? Are we going to be able to play in Honda Center in March or should we start looking at other options? I said, there's other options that exist out there uh, for us. And I, I want to be at the forefront of it versus being in a panic mode at the end of it. And they said, no, we're pretty much 90% sure that we might not be able to play here. So we were actually going to call you and uh, here in the next couple of weeks to kind of have that conversation, but you've already prompted it. So they, they granted us that opportunity. If we could find another location that we could host the basketball championship to do so. Uh, we started having conversations with uh, Phoenix and Flagstaff and, and Las Vegas area venues. I mean, pretty much a lot of different places. And Las Vegas uh, was, was the option that our membership chose. And we were excited to be able to play over on the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay uh, for the championship last year. And um, we've just heard a lot of positive things from our, our teams, our institutions, particularly our student athletes, uh, as to that basketball championship being played in Las Vegas and uh, what our options are worth for the future. All right. So now take me from point A to point B. You have a successful march in Las Vegas. What are the steps that go forth? Is, is that something, Dan, that you seeked out or was there some opportunities emerging that you felt were too good to pass up? I think a little bit of both. I mean, why we were in Las Vegas, we were looking at hearing our student athletes, hearing our coaches talk about how this really felt like a championship site, how we should look at, at the future. And we took advantage of those opportunities and looked at other venues uh, in Las Vegas, anywhere, anything from the Park Theater, the, one of the MGM properties that was actually a theater that they put a basketball court inside first to take a look at as an option. I have, I've been in Vegas for 21 years uh, with the Mountain West previously, and I know the Grand Garden Arena, know the Orleans, nor uh, obviously, Mandalay Bay know all the facilities out there, but we didn't know about Dollar Loan Center uh, was being built in Henderson. And, and we actually took advantage. Uh, Paula Smith, Wes Millette, uh, myself, Tom Davis, uh, went over uh, with Brooks Downing and his group from the BD, uh, BD Global, went over to Henderson and looked at this facility that was a, a skeleton that was being constructed. 
but listen to their staff, listen to the construction crew, uh, looked at the schematics of what that was going to be. And we said, boy, this is a great option, a great opportunity for the Big West if we want to consider it. And the membership completely bought in to the to the plan. 6,000 seat facility, brand new state of the art in the heart of Henderson, which is just a few minutes from the airport there in Las Vegas. Uh, not far from the strip as well. I mean, we were staying uh, there on the south part of the strip and made it to uh, made it to the Dollar Loan Center in about 10, 15 minutes. So really not a bad location. And just the opportunity to partner uh, with the Golden Knights, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, as well as the Henderson Silver Knights on this relationship really was a benefit for the Big West. I'm a fan of Henderson. You know, I love the Green Valley Ranch is right there. You know, they got the dollar craps, the Joker's Wild on, on Boulder Highway. So I, I'm good with you. Um, so obviously the exposure is a big deal. Everybody's there. You know, the Pac-12s at T-Mobile, the WCC, well, they're a little, they're about a week before, but WCC and the WAC are both the Orleans. And obviously you mentioned the Mountain West at the, at the Thomas and Mac. So obviously that, did that play a role? The fact that, you know, ESPN, Fox Sports, any kind of sports entity, they can kind of stumble on in. And, and then there's the Big West to be able to be uh, part of that, I guess, that, that menu of college basketball for that week and a half in March. No, it definitely played a, played a role in it. It wasn't necessarily that we had to be there where everybody else was, but most of the conferences that play basketball out West are in Las Vegas for their basketball championships. There are some inherent benefits to that relative to coverage and attention uh, for the Big West in the market, but also officiating as well. We're part of the Western Basketball Officiating Consortium, and now five of the six conferences that are part of that consortium are playing in Las Vegas or in the Vegas Valley. Um, as you indicated, Henderson's not far. It's a great location for us. Um, we're just a couple miles from all the other conference championships. So as you look at those officiating pools and other things that go on uh, to the, this consideration, it was a great destination for us. The the facility looks great from what I've seen. The the apprehension I have, and to be fair, it was the apprehension I also have with Honda Center, is that being primarily a hockey arena, it's a basketball you know event going on in a hockey arena. But I guess we, we have those around the country. I guess technically, you know, Madison Square Garden, they do play hockey there as well. But I'm <laughs> curious, and I don't want to tip your hand because I know you've been very strategic in this. You know, um, the one thing about Vegas is you're giving up the number two, you know, giving up the LA market, which is the number two market in the country. I know Steve Ballmer, he's not a friend of mine, but I bet he's probably a friend of yours, is opening a facility. You know, your contract is for three years, and when the contract expires, that'll be the year the Clippers open their new facility. Obviously, you're going to you're gonna look every – you're not going to leave any stone unturned beyond 2024, or if, if it goes well the next couple of years, is that going to be the home of the Big West tournament for a while? Well, I know, as you indicated, we're, we're three years contracted there, and I think the, the growth of the championship is something that we've got to monitor. We've got to see growth. Uh, in the event. And, and like I said, Anaheim and the, the Honda Center was a great destination, but being in a facility that you've got 18,000 seats and, and the Big West was drawing, you know, 3,000 fans, um, you know, it, it really creating that championship environment, being in a smaller facility and creating demand uh, for that ticket as if we were just in there on Thursday doing a site tour again of the facility, it's going to be amazingly loud, just a great environment. There's not going to be a bad seat uh, in this venue. I mean, we were up on the on the suite level. It felt like we were just on the floor. Uh, so every seat in that venue is going to be outstanding. And I think, as we've talked about, this is really Henderson's championship. Um, you've got the Pac-12 over, over at the uh, you know, T-Mobile Arena that plays in a hockey venue of over 18,000 fans. People in, in the Henderson area, Summerlin area, don't necessarily go and drive over to the Strip to attend events, whereas Henderson, this is being right across the street, 
from a lot of residential areas, school districts, and that type of stuff. We're really excited to grow this event in Henderson. Last thing on this topic here. I know you said that the student athletes and the the, uh, the personnel of the universities responded well. Have you gotten any feedback from alumni and fans about how they feel about the event being there? Because I, I obviously there's benefits to it. It's Vegas. It's a weekend in Vegas. I already, it's funny, I just got an email thread from some friends of mine who are planning on being in Henderson and Vegas for that weekend. But it does kind of kill, like if you're a student and you kind of on the spur of the moment, you're not expecting your team to win. They win that first round game, kind of cuts into the plans maybe of the of the uh, spontaneous trip out if a team does unexpectedly well. Yeah, I think one of the things we, we've learned over the years throughout my career is, is people plan vacations around it. Uh, if their team is good or team is bad, they're still going to be go, go to Vegas and spend four days, you know, and enjoy the town. If their tenant or their team wins, they stay, they come back over the uh, the championship venue. If their team loses, they may come over for the championship game, but they're spending the rest of the time at the pool and enjoying uh, the what Las Vegas, what Henderson has to offer. So um, I think the students, the, the fans will, will come to Henderson. I think they will be a part of the event in Las Vegas. We've heard a lot of positive uh, comments about it. In fact, one of the, the key leaders, uh, in the Henderson area is actually a UC Davis grad and is excited uh, to get a lot of UC Davis fans over there. So I think Hawaii will travel well, and I'm excited to see what the Southern California schools will do as well. Before we, we move on, I do want to thank your Lieutenant Tom Davis for arranging this. He's been great throughout the process and really kind of uh, assuaged it along. So I want to just thank Tom for, for his efforts in, in helping uh, put this thing together. Television has become very big in college sports, Dan. Obviously, I don't need to tell you that. Uh, the ESPN Plus deal uh, take me through a little bit of how that came about. I know the last eight years, the conference has been on the ESPN3 platform, and there was chatter that you're going to move to this model in terms of the schools producing their own content, but it would be on ESPN3. And then uh, the decision came, I think in August or June, the decision came down that they were going to be ESPN+. And then in August, there was a press release from ESPN saying that the subscriptions for ESPN+, Plus had risen 75%. And I personally know several people who kept their ESPN. They were going to cancel once they heard the Big West was on because they're Big West alums. They kept their ESPN Plus subscription. Take us through that process. Yeah, and it, it's, it was a great uh, discussion. Obviously, as, as you indicated, back eight years ago, the Big West decided to, to buy a production truck and trailer, uh, rent a pretty good size uh, storage unit uh, here in the Irvine area uh, to house Big West Productions. And, and they did an unbelievably great job during that eight year period of going out and producing 60 events a year uh, for the Big West to be able to showcase on ESPN3. But obviously everything changes, the model changes and ESPN was going from ESPN3 to pushing more people to the ESPN Plus platforms. And while also protecting obviously their linear packages on uh, on the cable and satellite systems. So uh, as you see, you've seen a lot of conferences over the last year have really announced uh, their partnerships with ESPN Plus as I think ESPN3, they're, they're working slowly to get rid of ESPN3 to put everything on ESPN+. In fact, I just saw an announcement today that the FCS football championship games, the first two rounds of the FCS playoffs will actually be on ESPN+, Plus exclusively. So again, ESPN is transitioning that. So uh, we had the opportunity to, uh, uh, the contract was up. We had the opportunity to negotiate that contract. Uh, the membership was involved in those discussions and agreed that this is the direction uh, that we wanted to go as more people cut the cord. Uh, and look at the app systems, uh, particularly that Disney bundle that's $13.99 a month for Hulu, ESPN Plus, and Disney Plus. This was a, a direction that our membership decided they wanted to go. And I'm excited that our institutions chose that decision because now instead of having Big West Productions produce 60 games a year, now our campuses will each be required to produce 60 games a year, which will put us over 600 
events a year from the Big West that'll be on the ESPN Plus platform. And I'm full, I'm anticipating that's just going to be a minimal number. Well above that, probably the next couple of years, you're going to be above that 600 events pretty easily with the way our institutions are ramping up and getting these productions ready to go. It was really interesting to me, Dan, that you made this decision based on how because you come from the Mountain West, and I know a few people in the Mountain West, and that's kind of been a sticking point, I know, for a lot of the schools in the Mountain West with regard to their deal, I mean, ESPN and CBS, among others. And I remember the first time I heard floated, maybe four or five years ago, that the Mountain West was considering going to a strictly digital platform. And a lot of that was for start times. They weren't getting favorable start times from either CBS or ESPN, and it was an issue with the alums. How much did your experience dealing with this stuff on the Mountain West side influence how you put together this deal for the Big West? Well, the one thing with the Big West, and it's not to demean the conference at all, obviously I'm the commission of the conference, we don't have FBS football. Uh, the, the Mountain West did have SPS football. So the, the networks are going to pay a lot of money for FBS football and, and give them some priority slots. I mean, the Big West, our linear package is a little bit smaller. So our visibility is digital. That, that's where our future is. That's where everybody is moving towards. I mean, eight years ago when the Big West was ramping up relative to buying production equipment, getting a van and trailer and those type of things. We were at the Mountain West, we were ramping up our schools to produce digitally. So they were well ahead of that. And we did the partnerships with Stadium and, and really built uh, pretty much everything now in the, in the Mountain West is on, okay, a broadcast by the institutions in some form or fashion for those digital packages. Whereas here, we, we've got the added benefit of being with ESPN and that national package on ESPN Plus, it's a national name, it's a national system that people know ESPN Plus and ESPN will continue to build and grow uh, ESPN Plus and market ESPN Plus. So we're excited to have that national brand. It's, it's very similar to TV in many ways that you're, you're kind of going on the app, you're looking at what's on today, and it's like, oh, you may stumble upon a Big West event that you may not have done so on ESPN3 in the past. The resistance that I'd heard was about the paywall. But, I mean, if you're college sports, you really need to be on ESPN. And I think particularly with our, with the time zone that the Big West is in, it's an advantage when you're in the seven o'clock window on the Pacific, you know, on the West Coast. There's not a lot of, I mean, there is competition, but people who want to watch sports will be able to have a lot to choose from, particularly once, you know, basketball and, and women, men's and women's basketball and volleyball and all those sports kind of gear up and get going. There'll be a, there'll be a, a great menu of opportunity for people to watch Big West sports, which, you know, I think, I mean, it seems like a decision that you kind of had to make. Well, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier too. I mean, being in a position that the schools can play when they want to play. Now, the conference can determine schedules when we want to play versus a network necessarily dictating that it has to be a, you know, Tuesday night at, at nine o'clock Pacific time. You know, our schools will be able to, we, we've still got some linear games available uh, on the ESPN networks, but really the bulk of the package, our institutions in the conference will be able to make those determinations on game times and dates that they want to play, days of the week they want to play. Dan, I'm old enough to remember the big Monday package. So I, I'm yeah. just hoping you can push this conference back to where whatever, big Sunday, big Monday, big Wednesday, whatever it is. We want to be on with the other big conferences on, on the linear platform. But no, I mean, I, I, I credit you and your staff. This is a great step for this conference to have exposure. And, you know, again, a lot of, I talk to a lot of alumni and they're excited about being able to access it on one platform. And I think that the uniformity is something that we don't talk about a lot because we talk about in terms of exposure and revenue. But the fact that it's one app, it's uniform, you can you can stream it to your television easily. You can stream it from a laptop in a hotel room and whatnot. That makes it all that more beneficial just overall to all the members as well as the conference. No, 100 percent. You, you, you've nailed it. It's, it's one system, one entity um, and easy to find. That, that's exactly what we wanted to try to get to. 
uh, and we're working with our institutions every day right now. Uh, Dennis Kirkpatrick, Tom Davis, our, our staff is working every day with our institutions to get them ramped up to get more games on ESPN Plus every day. Uh, understanding that all men's and women's basketball games will be on ESPN Plus this year. Midwestern guy, you know, Illinois State, Ohio University. Um, if Gary Trent hadn't taken, we'd call you the Shack of the Mac. <laughs> uh, Gary Trent's already the Shack of the Mac. Um, but I, I, you know, when I read that, Dan, I was encouraged because you kind of grew up in the mid-major world. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a Big West alum, so I kind of grew up in the Big West, and I feel like I have a little bit of skin in the game, and I kind of feel the same way about you. Um, what did you learn? I mean, we mentioned you're a basketball manager for Bob Bender when you were at Illinois State. You know, you went undergrad at, at Illinois State and then as grad school at Ohio, and Ohio U. They're both very strong, uh, you know, athletic programs in their own in their own right in their own conferences. What did you learn coming up in the mid-major conferences in terms of what works for mid-majors? No, it's a great question, and it really makes you think when you do ask that kind of question. But I understood that the importance of the college athletics being part of the overall educational uh, college setting. I mean, it's a part of campus life uh, in many ways, and then that's way you know I, I didn't grow up with a lot of resources at, at Illinois State or a lot of resources uh, at the Missouri Valley, which was my first uh, foray after the managerial position, my first foray into college athletics. So I, I have appreciated everything that we have and the things where we do have the opportunities uh, to get a little bit more resource or those type of things to be able to put that towards the student athlete experience, uh, whether it's our championships. We announced uh, last week that we, we, for the first time in Big West history, we will be broadcasting every Big West Championship in, in basically whether it's a cut down show for cross country, a 30 minute show after the championship or whether it's broadcasting all games of the men's volleyball championship for the first time, we're going to be able to do that. So we've gotten some resources from the ESPN contract that we've been able to put in there. And I also understand the importance of, of scheduling and the things that we've got to do to provide our, our best teams the best opportunities to get those at large considerations. Um, I mean, UC Santa Barbara this past year in men's basketball getting a 12 seed. Uh, for the Big West men's basketball was a big thing. That, that was a great step. Uh, we improved our conference ranking this past year during a COVID year. But we are looking, we've set a lot of foundational strategies uh, during the first year that I've been here. Now we're going to start implementing many strategies moving forward, including scheduling and looking at uh, not only non-conference scheduling, but the way we set up conference scheduling as well, and whether the current scheduling format that we have is what's best for the Big West. So those are all things that I've learned um, working in, a, in smaller conferences, having to really, you know, raise your hand to be seen in many ways versus, you know, just going out and showing up in some places. Uh, you know, if I had to compliment, when it, this is the first time we're actually speaking, but just as an observer, um, the one thing I, I think that Big West fans should be optimistic about with regard to, to your stewardship, Dan, is that you definitely have a vision, you know, and, and, and I come from, you know, the, the background, you know, the old Tony Soprano line about sometimes Wrong decision is better than indecision. As long as you're moving forward, uh, you know, you're pushing forward, good things are going to happen. But you're you're in a kind of an, a unique situation in the sense that technically you work for the university presidents and the university ADs. But at the same time, you need to construct a vision that's going to be in line with not just them, but the coaches and the athletes and the fans and the alumni. Kind of take me through that challenge. How do you start? I know you, you, you talk about yourself as being kind of uh, a servant manager, right? That's kind of how you describe yourself. Yep, um, servant leader. What, like, what, yeah, servant leader. When you come in at the beginning of the day, uh, how are you managing all those demands with regard to, you know, who you are, you know, you're, you, you, as a servant, uh, serving leader, who are, you're serving a lot of different people. How do you manage the fact that you're maybe serving four or five, you know, uh, different types of people? 
Yeah, and different philosophies in many ways. Every institution, every university is a little bit different. But first priority is my staff, making sure my staff is, is geared up for the day, that they've got their questions answered and have their missions for the day so they know what they need to be doing uh, moving us forward. And obviously, when it comes to our membership, presidents and chancellors, athletic directors, senior women administrators, faculty reps, coaches, they are all all have my phone number, all know that I'm responsive uh, to questions, concerns that they have. But it really is uh, researching, doing a lot of research, doing a lot of uh, things relative to if it's a scheduling philosophy or new brand that we launched. I mean, we did a significant amount of research before we launched these projects and making sure that our membership understands the philosophy, why you're trying to change things, why you're trying to adjust things, how things work now versus how they worked 10, 20 years ago uh, in many ways. And it, it's really coming up, as you said, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some failures along the way as you try to push the envelope as you try to get our, our student athletes, our, our programs, our institutions in a better position. But you're hopeful that, that the decisions are being made based upon sound research and sound philosophy and then build the success amongst those institutions and really get our get our teams excited about the direction we're heading. And that, that's ultimately my goal every day is working with each of those constituent groups to help them understand where we're going and why going that direction is probably what's best for the Big West. Yeah, I, I bring it up, Dan, because and, and being on campus and having worked in athletic departments, people don't realize whether you're a conference commissioner, an AD, and even to a lesser extent coaches, it's such a collaborative effort. There's mm. so many moving parts. And, you know, obviously, I, you know, I've worked in a number of different industries, and I always have believed that it all does start at the top. That is not a cliche. That is so true that how the person in charge runs things really influences everything all the way down to, you know, to the to the ground floor. And so I, I, I credit you with, you know, you, you seem to when everything, every interview I've read with you or listened to you, you seem to have a clear understanding of that. And you totally you view it in that manner. But you're the one your ideas are the ones that are going to push things along. Yeah. And it really comes down to obviously I don't have a vote when it comes to decisions that are I, I, I discuss, I research, I provide guidance. If they ask for opinion, I could provide opinion. But ultimately, it's the membership that makes the decisions on processes and procedures. And it's my role and it's the role of the conference office staff to enforce those rules, those processes and procedures that have been you know, voted on by the membership, the, the direction that they want the Big West to go. So it's with that philosophy, with that, that purpose that we are servant leaders to our institutions. We are doing what we can for our student athletes to provide them a great experience and our institutions as well. And, and, and that's a, it's a great answer. And, and, and it just that's the one thing is that they're going to be you're going to make a number of decisions over the course of a year and people are going to agree or disagree. But I, I'm confident and just talking to you now, it's kind of even encouraged me a little bit more. You're going to put thought into every decision that you've made. Yep. And, and that and that's encouraging because, you know, you, it's it's we're living in a different world now. There's a lot of data available. There's a lot of samples that we can do uh, that we can draw from. And it seems like I mean, just as an again, outside observer, you seem to use your your uh, resources, uh, you know, to, to make those decisions. And that's one thing that I think, you know, those of us who kind of came up who are a little bit older, you need to understand first what your resources are before you can make those decisions. And it's clear that you've really assessed those really well. Absolutely. And that's it. That's exactly it. I mean, I, I've got a, a small staff. It's a great staff here at the Big West. But as you look at other conferences across the country, the Mountain West had twice as many staff as I've got. Um, and we've got the same number of sports as the Mountain West does, but they've got twice as many staff. And you look at the Big Ten or the SEC, they've got twice as many staff above and beyond that. So we've really got to be functioning. We've got to work as a team and we've got to make sure that uh, we've got our, our goal in mind of what we're trying to do every day. Uh, and again, to improve that student athlete experience 
is of top of mind with our championships, with our broadcasts, uh, with the way we do things here at the conference office. With everything we've talked about, Dan, you know, athletics, college athletics in particular is a business and, and it's a big business. Mm-hmm. And you were you were at the Mountain West for 21 years and there was stability in that conference. And to be fair, I think the Big West has had this, a similar stability, you yeah. know, since, since I've been involved with it. But um, in your position, having a vision and having a direction in which you want to take the conference, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And yep. sometimes those tough decisions, you know, people don't know the entire context of those decisions. Take me through that. I mean, having been, you know, because obviously you're sympathetic. You were at one place for 21 years mm-hmm. and now coming and being the new, you know, the commissioner of a, of a conference, kind of taking your own, your, your own, you know, having your own ideas and your own vision for the conference. What What's that like having to make those hard types of decisions? It, it's, you know, it's not the fun part of the job. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it, it's, you've been put in the leadership chair and they, and they always talk about the head coach, you know, the assistant coach moving over the head coaching position that 18 inches of chair space is, is a big jump and it really is a big jump. There's a lot of tough decisions that have to be made every day. You have to look at what's best for the overall organization, what's best for the membership and what's best for the growth of the conference in many ways. And there's been some tough decisions uh, that have been made, particularly during this uh, pandemic, uh, during the challenge of the virus and, and working from home, not working from home, uh, staffing and the things that we've, we've had to look at uh, has been a challenge every day. And yeah, there has been some tough decisions uh, made uh, particularly earlier this month with some staffing, but uh, we made the decision we felt we needed to make for the Big West moving forward. And I, I, I credit you, you've really been available to kind of have people pick at you and ask you mm-hmm. questions, including myself. And I know you've been out and about doing a lot of these kind of Q&A type, type of things and podcasts and whatnot. And I do credit you for making yourself available. Um, and it kind of gives me a more of a clear idea of what your vision is going forth. I'll tell you the first one, the first interview that I saw them do with you on the Big West Productions. The one topic that really encouraged me was how you understood the importance of baseball to the Big West, <laughs> and how, how how baseball is is kind of could be the bell cow of this conference because Mountain West. There's some decent baseball teams in the Mountain West, but it's not like the Big West. Right. Um, what are some of your thoughts about baseball moving forward? Where would you like to see the Big Big West baseball move in the next four to five years? we got to keep baseball on the forefront. It is obviously the, the great thing about the Big West is the locales that we're in. The, people want to come to Big West locations to play baseball. We've got some amazing baseball facilities and some top-notch baseball programs and coaches. Uh, and obviously, you look at the Major League Baseball, the draft, the number of players that are playing uh, Major League Baseball from the Big West. This is a baseball conference in many ways. We won national championships in men's volleyball. Obviously, we're working to improve men's and women's basketball. Women's volleyball is a national championship. Baseball is a national championship caliber. That's one of the things that is really attractive about the Big West is we are a national championship caliber league in sports that maybe not as many people follow uh, every day. Football, men's basketball seem to be the focus uh, in NCAA sports. But you look at the way we play in baseball, uh, I, you know, that was one of the, the sad things about this season was not being able to get two games. I mean, I love sitting behind home plate and watching the pitch come in. I played baseball uh, a lot while I was growing up and every day I'd be out in this in this neighborhood street playing baseball uh, if I could. So it really is a love for me is, is the sport of baseball. And that's it has to stay on the forefront of things that we do, because that's one of the sports that we are very much known for. You know, Dan Butterly, uh, thank you very much for, for sitting down with us. I want to wrap it up. We're going to have a little fun. I, I know it's yeah. been kind of on the more of the serious side, but I want to have a little fun with you. So we're going to wrap it up with a couple of segments. OK, the first segment is uh, we want to get the people in the conference to get to know you a little better. Now, I know you grew up a Chicago Cubs fan. OK, yes. Uh, 2016 is probably an exciting year for you. But I want to know, 
Who is your favorite all-time Chicago Cub? Oh, Ryan Sandberg in a heartbeat. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> that was my time period. I, I literally, you know, I was grew up as, a, as an early teenager. That 1983, uh, that early 80s time period for the Cubs was just a great time period. Uh, I'd come home from school every day. The great thing about the Cubs was they were on WGN TV, so I'd come home from school, 3, 3.30, immediately turn on the Cubs game, have a snack and watch the rest of the game. I mean, I could probably name that entire team from 84 uh, again, you know, just from the, from number one through number nine, but yeah, that, that's, that's part of it. I mean, the, the WGN Superstation in the afternoon was a great way to watch the Cubs. Favorite late night talk show host, Dan. Oh, uh, Dave Letterman. No doubt about it. I, I love watching right. the top 10. Uh, you know, it was on late in, in central Illinois, but uh, if I, if I could at least make it to the top 10, uh, I was a happy camper. <laughs> Well, you got to come back to Hawaii when Brian McGinnis and I do stupid newspaper tricks. So we'll want to raise that for you. I would love that and one. Then, Absolutely. And then what, what is your favorite condiment? Oh, there's a great question. So I am uh, very much a, a ranch on French fries uh, type of guy. I, I love Parmesan cheese. Uh, so, you know, it just depends on what you're eating, uh, what that condiment would be. But, uh, you know, it, it's I'm kind of like the ranch on French fries kind of guy. Okay, ranch. I see you kind of you kind of come across as blue collar guy. Ranch dressing is a bit of an aristocratic, uh, <laughs> aristocratic uh, condiment. All right, and then to wrap it up, I was going to yeah. ask you the, your favorite concession, uh, Big West concession. I'll tell you mine. When you get a chance, Dan, go to UC Irvine, go to a baseball game, and get the tri tip nachos. I don't know if you're a tri tip oh. guy or a nachos guy. I'm a tri tip guy. I just had just had tri tip on Saturday night, so yes, I'm a tri tip. Uh, there guy. you go. It sounds a bit incongruous, but they do it up. It's it's my alma mater, but it they, they do it up well there. So no, I, I seriously, and that's the thing. I cannot wait to be able to get to games. That was one of the most frustrating things of being a new commissioner um, and not knowing the conference and the institutions. Um, you know, personally, by going to campuses, we're just now starting to be able to do campus visits for the first time. We went up to Bakersfield a couple of weeks ago. We're being in Long Beach, UC Irvine. We're finally able to get to some campus visits. So I'm excited to try the concessions, to sit in the stands and, and meet fans, to be in a position that we can try some restaurants and do those type of things. So it's pretty much the first 14 months for me have been from home to the office, to home to office every day. I just focus on the Big West and moving us forward. So I'm excited to be able to get to games here soon. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a pin in it because we'll do it again next year and you'll, we'll, 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 I'll take you through that. But Dan, by way, thank you very much for, for, for sitting down. I really do appreciate the time. And uh, you gave us some some great answers today. And I, I just after talking to you now for you know 30 minutes or so, I feel the Big West is in great hands. And, and so keep keep doing what you're doing. No, I appreciate that. And looking forward to uh, getting the next opportunity that you want to have this conversation. We'll have another conversation. The commish, Dan Butterly, the commissioner of the Big West Conference, 21 years in the Mountain West. But now he's hanging out in Irvine running the Big West Conference. Thanks again, sir. Thank you.